It's good to see you this morning in the house of the Lord. Glad that you're here. You know, when we came up a while ago and it got silent, somebody said, y'all going to sing for us. I, I, I'm not much of a singer. I have a son that leads worship, and Clay, you did an outstanding job. Thank you so much, brother, uh, for blessing us today. And, uh, and so uh, I went to my very first church, and they had, in the church, they had the fifth Sunday sing. Y'all know what fifth Sunday sings are? Sunday night sings on fifth Sunday night. They just have singing. And, and, and there was a group of guys for them that was singing, and they invited me to sing with them. I'm the new pastor. They said, you want to sing with us? And nobody's ever asked me to sing before. And I said, sure, I'd be glad to sing with you. And so I got up there, and for four and a half years, on fifth Sunday night, we would sing them old songs, one of those songs like Looking for a City, one of them real old songs. And so anyway, I got ready to leave the church after four and a half years, and, and the guys that I sung with came around me, and they said, Brother Jim, we've got to let you in on a little secret. They said, for these four and a half years you've been singing with us, we never turn your mic on. So, you know, what I'm saying to you is, is I know my limitations. It is good to see you. You know, yesterday, yesterday, if you had turned on the TV at any, any place, just about yesterday, you would have found probably a college football game going on. You would have stadiums that were filled with people, and people with their shirts off. As I said last night, some of them were so big you could put two letters on them. I mean, but they're out there, and, and they're hurrying, and, they, and they're just cheering on their team. Is that right? Now, do you think that yesterday they had to beg those people to come to the ball game? Matter of fact, they had to pay to go to the ball game. Now, I want to tell you something. In those stands, those people were so excited of a 100-yard field, an oblong ball going up and down that, that field, and hoping that their team would score and ultimately win. I, I want to do something this morning that... It may not be a good thing to do, but it's a great thing to do, but it may be something you've never done before. But I want us to do something this morning because sometimes we get excited about everything under the sun except Jesus. Now, I want to tell you something. If, if, you, were, if you realize today that you've been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb and the assurance of your salvation, that the Spirit of God lives inside of you, you have something to shout about. Amen? So on three, on three, we're going to holler out the name Jesus. You ready? All right, now let's see what we can do with these chandeliers right here, right? Now, you may say, those are not chandeliers. I'm from New Hebron. Anything like that is chandeliers, amen? All right, on three. One, two, three. Jesus! Woo! Something about that name. Now, shouldn't that name be exciting every day of our lives? Every day of our lives when I understand that I was separated from God. I, I, the Bible says we've all sinned in Romans 3.23. I have all sinned and come short of the glory of God. No matter what we did, we could not get to God because of sin. We couldn't work our way there because the Bible says in Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, for by grace you've been saved, by, 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 by grace you've been saved through faith, and that not of yourself. It is a gift of God, not of works that any man should boast. Not a thing in the world you could do or I could do for the grace that God provided for us in Jesus Christ. But to have faith, trusting God in His Word to the point of obedience. And so when the Spirit of God comes to live inside of us, we know that we are part of the wonderful family of God. This morning as we were come, when I come to preach the Word of God, <clears throat> I come to preach and I, I don't come with a series of things. I don't have everything just laid out. I, last night they were pretty obvious. I just speak my heart. I, I, I'm just the kind of guy that this is the way God designed me. It drives other preachers nuts, especially when I go to the, some of the First Baptist churches and they want to put my outlines up on the screen. I said, when, when I get them, I give them to you, okay? 
And so what I'm saying to you is, is that this is the way I operate. I think that we need to study, 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 and for me, let the Holy Spirit dip out of me what He wants me to say, that it may please Him and touch your hearts. I hope and pray Brother, Brother Jeff has done a great job in saying what he did today about revival. We need revival. We need something to put a spark back inside of us. We need to fall back in love with Jesus and He becomes the priority in our lives. It is so easy to get sidetracked in the life we live. We have fear of the COVID and the uncertainty of our nation. All these things lay upon us. There are times in our lives when it seems like life becomes so hard that all the oxygen leaves the room. There are times in our lives that all of our hopes become a distant dreams. And there's times when it seems darker than it's ever been before. But I want to tell you, nothing catches our God by surprise. And as long as I know God is there, it's going to be okay. And the Word of God, I want us to look in Isaiah... In Isaiah chapter 6, a familiar text of Scripture. In Isaiah chapter 6. There are four things I want you to see this morning from God's Word. And I want you to underline them in your Bible because underlining can sometimes bring back and remind you of what was highlighted in these texts. Now, there's a lot more words that could be highlighted, but these are the things that I feel like that God has showed me through the years from God's Word. In the year that King Uzziah died... I saw. I want you to underline the word I saw. I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. And above it stood seraphims. Each one had six wings. With two he covered his face, and with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one cried to another, saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the posts of the door were shaken by the voice of him who cried out, and the house was filled with smoke. As we look at God's Word this morning, I I want you to see the first thing. I want you to see, I saw. A personal encounter. I saw. Now I want to tell you something, that we cannot live off the experiences of other people. And that's true of every aspect of our lives. We have to live our life. We can't just live in the in experience of what other people have experienced. In other words, when I have a personal encounter, when Isaiah saw the Lord, it was a personal encounter. That's the way salvation is, isn't it? You could be raised in a godly home. Your mom and dad could be godly people. They could have brought you to church every time the doors were open, whether you liked it or not. But God doesn't have any grandchildren He only has children. You must be born again. You'll not enter the kingdom of heaven because of a godly mom and dad. Because grandpa was a preacher. Or some other people in your life that made a big influence. You must be born again. That's what we see here when it talks about religion. When Jesus came in contact with Nicodemus, He said, you must be born again. And that's true of every one of us. You must encounter God. And the Bible says to encounter God is we're going to have to follow God's directions of what it means to encounter God and not the world's way of encountering God. There are so many people think that I know God. Well, there's a difference in knowing about somebody and knowing someone personally. I know about certain people that through the course of history, I know about them, but there's only so many people that I know personally. Is there a difference in knowing about someone and knowing someone personally? 
You see, the Bible says that when I encounter the Lord Jesus Christ and I understand that I'm a sinner and I receive Jesus Christ as my Lord and as my Savior, the Bible says in Romans 8, 16 that God's Spirit bear with my spirit that I'm a child of God. How do I know I'm saved? Because I got a baptism certificate? Because I got a membership of a church? No, the Bible says we know we're saved when we've asked Jesus Christ to come into our life to forgive us of our sin, to understand it took the cross of Calvary and the blood shed upon that cross to redeem us before the presence of a holy God. The Bible says here in this word, I saw a personal encounter. Look what it says in verse 5. And I said, underline these three words, Woe is me. Woe is me. For I am undone because I'm a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. And the Bible says, And one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his, in his hand a live coal, which he had taken from the tongs from the altar. He touched my mouth with it and said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your iniquity is taken away. Your sin is purged. And I heard the voice of, of the Lord saying, Woe is me. Not only did Isaiah have a personal encounter, but also he had a personal evaluation. You know, we have to evaluate ourselves, and it's so easy to evaluate ourselves by the things of the world. It is so easy to evaluate ourselves by people who are living in known sin that people know about. It is easy for us to evaluate ourselves among people around us. But can we dare stand in the presence of God, a holy, sovereign God, and allow God to look upon us and to see us as we really are? We can all dress up and smell up and act up, but God knows us. He knows us when the lights are out. He knows us when no one else is around. He knows what's going on inside of us. And there are times in our lives, if we just get honest with God, that we love the things of the world. We have the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life. And none of that is of God. We need to say, God, I need you to turn on the searchlight of your Holy Spirit and convict me that, God, I will desire to put you first as a priority in my life. You know, one of the biggest things I see as I travel around preaching is the fact that uh, everybody wants Jesus to be a part of their life. But Jesus doesn't want to be a part. Jesus wants to be the priority. In Luke 9, 23, it says, If any man come after me, let him deny himself. Take up his cross, how often? Daily. How often? Daily. And follow me. Isn't it a daily evaluation that needs to take place between you and God? Isn't it you that, and, and if we're not careful, I want to tell you what happens. Go back to chapter 5, and I'll tell you what will happen. In verse 20 it says, Woe to those who, who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Woe to those who are wise in their own eyes and prudent in their own sight. I have just described modern day America. I have never, never, never thought in my lifetime that I'll be living in a nation that has sunk so low in moral decay. But understand something. Our nation decided years ago to take the Bible out of the schools. 
And you know what's so ironic about this? They're taking the Bible out of the schools, and then they give Bibles in prison when people get there. It sounds like if we give the Word of God before they get grown up, it may change their prison situation. You see, we're living in a sick society. We're living in a society that embraces every sin that you can imagine. If you can think it, somebody's going to approve it. But it doesn't matter what the world approves. If it violates the Word of God, whether it's in your family or my family, it violates the Word of God. It is sin in the sight of God. We have to understand the evaluation is we can't just be looking around and say, whoa, I want to tell you something. It turns my stomach upside down to see the society of moral decay that we live in today. But when God looks at me, can I be looking at everybody else's and fail to look at my own self to evaluate where I am before God? Does James not say, he that knoweth the right thing to do and do it, if not, it is sin? Is that true? Are there things in your life that we're not doing that God wants us to do? Was there the time in your life when there was a, such a passion and a fire and a burning in your bones for Jesus? I told last night, and, and I, I just think it fits right here, there was a man who came to the preacher and he said, Preacher, I want to know God more. I want to know God more. And every day he would come and the preacher would take scriptures and try to show him how to know God more, but nothing satisfied. One day he showed up and Preacher was going to check the baptism water. He had baptism that Sunday to see if it was warm. And the guy was behind him. I want to know God. I want to know God more. And all of a sudden the preacher stepped off with his clothes, his shoes, over into the water, the baptism pool. He said, do you want to know God more? Come here. And the man got over in the baptistry and took him, put him in a baptism position, and he took him and put him under water and held him there. I mean, he's frantically, he's trying to get loose, and finally he lets him up, and he just sucks all the air out of the room. Out of the air out of the room. What are you doing, preacher? You crazy? He said, you want to know God more? When you desire God as much as the air you breathe, you'll find God. You see, the Bible says to be filled with the Spirit of God. Let me tell you, you can't be filled with the Spirit of God and filled with yourself and filled with the things of the world. You see, the reason why so often times the church and individuals of the church and members of the body of Christ are not standing up is because we're not willing to evaluate ourselves and come before God with clean hands and a pure heart. And the Bible said the prayer of a righteous man does what? I want to tell you something. There was a time in our nation that when a pandemic hit, the church doors were open and people were on their knees before God crying out for healing. And we let our nation, our, our government, tell us we don't need the house of God. Am I speaking truth here this morning? And what does Jesus say the truth to do? Set you free. You have to evaluate yourself. You can sit here and look at our nation. It makes me sick. You know, three weeks ago today, I went to New Hebrew, Mississippi to preach a revival. That used to say, Brother Gene, you're evangelist. That's not anything new. But three weeks ago, day, day, my wife of 44 years was in ICU in Laurel, Mississippi on a ventilator with COVID lungs. I didn't know. Every day the doctor called and I talk and I go see her. And every morning at 5 o'clock while she was in ICU, I'd go down there 
and I'll walk outside that waiting that, not that, that window, that hospital, and I could see her in there, and I would pray for her, hooked up to the ventilator. And I'd go in at 6 and pray for her, and I'd go back at 2, and I went to preach a revival. The preacher said, how in the world could you preach a revival? Your wife on life support on a ventilator. Because my wife had trusted in Jesus Christ as her Lord and Savior. If the Lord chose to take my wife, and I'm so thankful He didn't, to be absent of the body, be present with the Lord. You see, this world is not our home. We're fighting so hard it seems like to stay in the world when the world's not our home. The Bible says here as I began to pray, I want to tell you something, as I prayed for my wife on that porch, I cried this room full of tears, I can tell you right now. But I remember looking up one morning, I, I just wake up early in the morning and I read my Bible, I was studying it, and I looked up at the sky, the sun was coming up, and I said, Lord Jesus, at that time we, the COVID was getting, the pneumonia was getting worse, her kidneys were not functioning the way they were supposed to, and talking about a chest tube being put in because... They had nicked her sternum when they put the, the ventilator on, put her on a ventilator, and she was swole up. And I looked at the heaven with brokenness, and I said in the depths of my heart, Lord God, whether she lives or dies, I will praise you, and I will serve you. Because if I take God out of the equation of my life, what do I have? If you take God out of the equation of your life, what do you have? You see... And God chose to touch my wife, and, and I went and preached that message. You know why? Because I wasn't going to let the devil win. I realized that we were on the winning team. We, we as the body of believers, we're not fighting for victory. We've already got victory in Jesus. And so the Bible says here that there's that personal evaluation. I want to tell you something. When you're praying for your wife of 44 years in the shape she was in, you want to make sure your hands are clean and your heart is pure. Amen? I remember my son and I were sitting on the front porch and, man, things were just getting worse day by day by day. It was just getting worse and worse. And I took my son, I looked at him, and I said, Chad, Everybody we know is praising. I was supposed to be in Africa doing a, 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 a pastor's retreat and, 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 and preaching the Word of God. And, and, and she got COVID before I left, so it quarantined me, and then two days later I got COVID. But in that process, I said, there's people in Africa praying. There's people all over the place that is praying. Y'all were praying for my precious wife. And I said, Chad, and things were getting worse. I said, don't we know one righteous man? <laughs> Is there one righteous out there that we could, could pray for us? Have there been times when you feel like your prayers are just kind of bouncing around in the room? But they're not. God is at work. Nothing catches God by surprise. And so a personal evaluation, when you get in a crisis moment, you're gonna, you, want the, you want God to do what only God can do. You're going to make sure you evaluate yourself. Is that right? but you ought to evaluate yourself every day of your life. When you come to the presence of a holy God who already knows everything about you, you can fool the people around you, but you cannot fool God. Look what the Bible says. Let's go right on. I got 17 more points we'll be through. I'm, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. That woke some of you up. All right. And the Bible says here in the Word of God, it says, uh, And I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send who will go for us? Then I said, underline these three words, Here am I. 
He wasn't putting on somebody else, let somebody else do it. He said, here am I. It did not take place till he had a personal encounter. It did not take place till he had a personal evaluation. But once he experienced the trusting of the tongue, the coal from the altar, touching his lip and cleansing him in the presence of a holy God, then all of a sudden he said, I will engage. We see it's a personal encounter, a personal evaluation. It's a personal engagement. He didn't say, let somebody else go do that. I want to tell you something. Every one of us in this room who have personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ can do something for the glory of God. There is something you can do to touch the lives of other people. You do not have to go far to find people that are hurting and struggling in life. You know, Brennan and I, we, we've, been, we've been ministering and she's been moving me every step of the way. This is the first time, well, when she was in ICU, we're going to give her an excuse for that one. But when she couldn't be with me in revival, and, and this week, but she is, she is praying. She came home with two liters of oxygen two weeks ago, and, and now yesterday she was off of oxygen for about eight hours, no oxygen, and her stats staying at 96 and above. And so she is saying that she might get to come one night to the revival. We'll have the oxygen in the back. We'll look like space, you know, like a Ghostbusters going down the road with the oxygen in the back thing, but we'll be ready, whatever. What I'm saying to you is, is that when we look at this uh, in personal engagement, as we begin to look at this, I, 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 I share with Brother Jeff about when I left Highland Baptist Church, and I was there for eight and a half years. I was in evangelism, and God called me out. I didn't want to go into back to church. I was, I was, God was using me, but I had preached at Highland Baptist Church. It's a large church in Laurel, and they had had their struggles, and and God just pressed in my heart, I need you to go back. And so I went back and stayed there eight and a half years. And then when God led in my heart to go back into the evangelism, my wife has been with me every step of the way, every place we've been, even serving the food. But in the midst of the leaving the church, COVID-19 hit. I was in First Baptist Church Leesville and had 16 revivals canceled. Boom, 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 boom. I passed a church took real good care of me. Now I'm saying to God, but I didn't do that. I said, God, you know where I'm at. Nothing catches you by surprise. What do you want to do with me? I bought a cook trailer because I cater and stuff like that, and I, I bought a concession stand trailer and built, got it full of equipment. And, I, and during the November, December, January, everything slows down for me in evangelism, so I'm just going to cook on the side of the road, you know, sell food, and I'll be able to help supplement our income a little bit. Well, I, I thought that's what I was going to do. But you know what happened? A tornado came through Jones County, two and a half miles wide. God stirred in my heart, feed the people. We fed over 2,000 people during the time of the tornado. Then all of a sudden we had hurricanes come through, and then I, I did, uh, when they were doing this thing about defund the police, God laid in my heart to go down to the Sheriff's Department and cook for the Sheriff's Department, give them a food, and just pray over them. And then we did medical facilities and different things of that nature. And that year we fed 6,780 people food, gave it away. But you know what God did? The more I gave away, the more God gave to me to give away more. Now I want to tell you something. When we talk about engagement, right now, Brent and I, we've got our sign already made. It's, we hadn't got to use it yet, but we're going to be using it pretty soon. It's I want to go to areas where the children are that nobody else wants or cares about. These children have no control of the environment they're living in. And God loves them as much as he does any children out there. 
And so we got a banner made up, Sundays, like ice cream Sundays. It's got, Sundays are sweeter with Jesus. And we're going to go out into these areas, set up our tent, and then we're going to give them ice cream in a cup with either chocolate or strawberry topping. And then we're going to have some bounces to my ministry. I'm going to have some bounces set up so they can come out there and jump and have a good time and be kids and share Jesus with them. You see, and then all of a sudden the other day, uh, Brenda tells me I get up way too early because I think way too much before she gets up. She gets up at 8 normally is her time. She gets up whether she likes it or not. I got to talk to somebody after four hours, being up four hours early before she gets up. And so at 8 o'clock she gets up and she gets up and she's getting her coffee and I'm fine, I'm pumped. I'd have been with Jesus. I have got something stirred in my heart. I am a nightmare to live with. That's the reason I pray so hard for my wife to be okay because nobody else wants me. I told Brenda, I said, Brenda, God just laid something else in my heart. We're going to get some boxes, and we're going to, I'm going to make three different types of soup, and we're going to put a jar of uh, orange juice, and we're going to put some crackers in there, and we're going to do a track. I did a thing called COVID, and I said, Christ, our victory in disease. COVID, Christ, our victory in distress. COVID, Christ, our victory in depression. COVID, Christ, our victory in death. And I said, I'm going to work that up, and I'm going to put it on a piece of paper with scriptures, and we're going to go out to people. We're not going to go to the church folk, because they should be ministered to by church folk. We're going to try and find folks, nobody, where they don't go to church, and we're going to take a box, and we're going to put it on their door, and we're going to let them know we love them, and we come in the name of Jesus, because we know the value of engaging ourselves in His service, because I want to tell you something. The next time you get discouraged and down and out and depressed, get up and go do something for the next of Jesus for somebody else and it takes your eyes off yourself and it brings the joy of your salvation back where it needs to be. Amen? You see, engage. What is it going to take for us to get engaged? Do you think yesterday they stood outside the stadium and said, please come to the game, please come to the game, please come to the game? No. But why in the world does a church have to beg people to come to the house of God? We ought to want to come because we've had a personal encounter. Because we're personally evaluation and we're staying close to Him through repentance. Not letting the things of the world override who we are in Christ in a personal engagement. Here am I. Send me. One last thing. I was picking about the 17. Okay. <clears throat> Keep on hearing. And he said, okay, here I am, send me. And he says, go tell this people. Keep on hearing, they do not understand. Keep seeing, but they do not perceive. Make the heart of the, uh, these people dull and their ears heavy. And their eyes, uh, shut their eyes, at least they see with their eyes and hear with their ears, understand with their heart, return and be healed. Wow. That kind of sounds like 2021 America, doesn't it? When it comes to the things of God. People got time for everything under the sun but God. Until the crisis moment comes, well, they want to find God then. But you know what I made it, I really understand? I want to live my life so close to God that when crisis moments come, and by the way, just because you're a Christian, you don't get a free pass from tribulations and crisis in life. In this world, you shall experience tribulation, but be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. Amen? That's what Jesus said. If Jesus said it, that knocks out some of them TV evangelists that tell you that if you give enough, you won't ever have no problem and struggles. 
don't get me started on that. All right. Look what it says. You ready for the fourth one? Here we go. Verse 11. Then I said, how, Lord, how long? Underline that. Not only do we have a personal encounter, evaluation, and engagement, but a personal endurance. It is easy to start the race, isn't it? How many projects have you started? I'm going to get up every morning and I'm going to walk four miles. I'm going to, I'm going to start eating right. I'm going to start putting, I'm only going to eat these things. The next thing I find myself at all you can eat buffet. And buddy, if I go to all you, I'm getting my money worth. You hear me? I went with a preacher friend of mine. He took, we went up there to Barry's up there at Florence. And they had, it's $29.95. It's higher than that now with $29.95. One person. My wife does not eat seafood. She does not eat any, any seafood. Doesn't eat fish. She eats a little vegetables, but she loves that dessert table. And you know what they charge me for that? $29.95. So I'm sitting here, boy, I done spent 60 bucks, and I'm sitting there going, that's all you're going to eat? I ate 35 fried oysters along with the other. Th I went for the high dollar item. I said, I'm getting my $60 worth. And when I came out of there, I was gasping a little short breaths. You know, when you're full, you can't get a deep breath. <laughs> and I sat back there, and I, the preacher was driving. I said, Lord, if you'll let me live, I won't do it no more. I promise you. You see, the thing about it is, is that that endurance, it's easy to start off with excitement. A lot of Christians start off as a stick of dynamite. But in time, they wind up like a wet firecracker. Endurance means we keep on. What do you do when the oxygen leaves the room? What do you do when your hopes seem a distant dreams? What do you do when it's darker than it's ever been before? You keep your eyes on Jesus and keep walking by faith. Because Hebrews 11.6 says, But without faith it is impossible to please God, for they that come to Him must believe that He is a reward of them that diligently seek Him. It's our faith. It's not your feelings. Not your, not your figuring. Oh, man, I just come out of Tennessee doing a big men's event. I was coming home for a few days. I was going to be gone for, for 10 days. Brenda was planning on doing some embroidery. She got a room that she has an embroidery uh, machine in, and, and she was going to do some embroidery, get caught up, because we've been gone on the road too, a long time, and she had 10 days away from me and getting to sleep to 8.30 if she wanted to. Then all of a sudden, I was going to Africa, coming back, revivals, and... Boom. Is that how quick life changes? I want to be so close to God that when things change, I don't have to run find God. I've already been with Him that morning. I've already been with Him praying continuously in my life. I know where He is. I want to say to you today as we come to this series of meetings, uh, you, you've got to say endurance. Does, do you really want 
to experience God to do a work in your life like never before? Do you want God to set your soul on fire and the soul of this church on fire that it may be turned upside down this community? And even though you've gone out to those people and you knock on those doors, go back another time and don't forget about the people you hadn't seen just yet. Go out to the people. You remember when Jesus makes that statement? He said, i got a banquet going on here. You go out there and tell them to come to the banquet. They go out there and say, oh, we went out there. But one of the guys there said he had some land that he hadn't seen. One got an oxen that he hadn't tried. One got married. Let me tell you, if he just got married, he could have used a good meal. Amen? And Jesus said to him, well, just leave them and go out there to the maimed and the blind and the ones that nobody don't want. Don't they deserve Jesus also? And when they come here, we pray they experience the grace of God. And if they come to know Christ, no matter what their past may look like, they're just as saved as anybody else in this room. For by grace we've been saved through faith and that not of ourselves. So this week, endurance. Sunday night, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Now, I wasn't going to tell you all, I'm from New Hebrew, but Brother Jeff's done let the cat out of the bag. But I'm going to tell you, my education level at New Hebrew. Ready? If every one of you come back tonight and bring one person with you, we'll have twice as many as we've got right now. Amen? Now I see some of you slipping your shoes off right now to make sure I'm right. Is that right? When's the last time you've been willing to mark out some time and give to God with endurance? Say, God, I'm ready to move from where I'm at, a complacency, to the place where I used to be a fire excitement. I want to tell you something. I, I am an evangelist, but I told Brother Jeff what I really know that I am is a revivalist to revive the church. Because if we don't get the church back where it needs to be, a fire and a spirit moving of God, when we bring lost people, we're just going to water down the fire that they bring with them. We must, when they get here, they help build the fire. The more wood you put on the fire, the hotter the fire, the brighter the fire becomes. Amen? And so when they come in, the fire just burns brighter. Do you think that where we are right now with the COVID, with our nation, the uncertainty of tomorrow, this crazy idea of all these thoughts that are going on in our nation, do you think God could change the situation? Did he not bring the children of Israel out of Egyptian bondage? But you know what we got to do? Get our eyes off of them. Put our eyes on him. And say, Lord, I have encountered you. Your spirit bears witness to my spirit that I'm a child of God. God, I'm asking you to evaluate me. You are a holy God. God, I can fool people, but I can't fool you. You know my language. You know what I watch with my eyes. You know my attitude and what I do. You know how I treat others. God, you know how I am at my home. You know everything about me. If there's something in your life you need to get right with God, the Bible says in 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us for our sin and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. You may have come here burdened, heavy laden, but you can leave here rejoicing by repenting of the sin that's in your life. You know Jesus is your Savior. But you know what? The most miserable person in the world is not, a, is not a lost person. They don't know no better. 
is a person who's saved outside the will of God. So if you're here today and you need to make the decision, the altar's going to be open. When you become more concerned about what God's asking you to do than what you think of what the people may say about it, you're about to experience what God can do. And so if God's moving your heart to make that decision, make a commitment. Maybe you've already had plans. I'm going to go do this, going to do this, go do this. Why don't you just block out a little time and I'm going to endure and let God see what God does with us coming together, bringing people. What would happen if this place filled up so packed? Not because of me, but because of him. Wouldn't that be exciting? Man, we got chairs out here. I preached a revival in El Dorado, Arkansas. You know what they did while I was there? Several years ago, they gave away a car. A car. C-A-R. And they had it where none of the church members could win. But all everybody that was there, every night of the revival, got their name into the, into the drawing. And I want to tell you something. That church was huge, and it was packed out, and every Sunday school room had, had TVs in there, and people were watching it on TV. But we had people saved that week. We had people come to the altar to get right with God that week. It took something to bring them there, but once they got there, they got the most important thing. That's Jesus. And so today we, we ask you, what is God asking you to do? You, a personal encounter, personal evaluation. What is God asking you to do? What is God asking you to do? If you need to be saved, Brother Jeff's going to be here as our as the musicians come, as, as Brother Clay comes, and, and uh, as, as we play, uh, we ask you to stand. Brother Jeff's going to be here. And, and you can come to Him. The altar is open. You can come to the altar. But what is the Lord asking you to do? How has the Lord spoken to your heart today? What is He?